Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Nuggets now. Game one, Saturday, a blowout. Game two, tonight, 80% of our audience thinks it's a must win for the Phoenix Suns tonight. I can, I mean, I understand. But you don't agree. Uh, no, I've seen too many teams. I mean, the Mavericks yeah. were down 2 nothing. They won. Uh, uh, the Suns were up 2 nothing. lost to Milwaukee. I've seen it happen too many times. The series but. will not be decided by who wins or loses tonight's game, but the Suns have to play better. And and we can sit here and make a, a long, long list, and it would be a long list of things that need to be better for the Phoenix Suns. The rebounding needs to be better. The three-point shooting needs to be more, and it needs to be better. DeAndre Eaton needs to be much more engaged and much more physical. And we got to talk about Chris Paul. Let's do it. Uh, because it was it was, and we've seen this. This is kind of with Chris. It's like in every other game, every other right. Like it's yeah. it's hit and miss, and he's there and he's not, and he's big and he's not. And Saturday was a very non-game for Chris Paul in this series. It was, it was hard to know he was it out was, there. It was completely irrelevant. And I, I I'm a big believer, uh, and I've said this from the start that I think Chris Paul has to play great for the Suns to win a championship. They don't have the depth that they used to have. And I don't think they could be reliant on two guys. Um, and I'm not relying on Damian Lee, TJ Warren, Landry Shamit, Terrence Ross, and Torrey Craig to win games for the Phoenix Suns. Or even Josh Okoji, who didn't play well. I need Chris Paul to play really well for the Suns to win. And if he doesn't, I don't think they will. Um, now, whether he plays great or not, I mean, we've seen some signs that he's really good. And we saw him take over a game in the fourth quarter against the Clippers. But... This was a terrible performance by Chris Paul. And I watched this, and I, I actually went back and rewatched a lot of it today. And just to see, because, you know, I, the size bothers him, man. Aaron Gordon on him. Contavious Caldwell Pope on him. Bruce Brown on him. Like, he struggled. That was what the Dallas Mavericks did to him last year. We're sure. going to put somebody a lot bigger on you. And I think that he kind of struggles with that. I think he struggles having the bigger bodies on him. That was a really bad Chris Paul game. How many assists did he have in the game? I had five assists in the game. Five assists. Five assists in the game. You're Chris Paul. Yeah, he had five. You had five assists. It got to the point where, and I I wish I would have charted this, but it would have taken just so much time. I don't even think he had the, mostly it was Booker carrying the ball up. It wasn't him. Oh, he was, well, in the first quarter, it was Durant. Durant was Durant was initiating most of the offense in the first quarter of that over. game, but then he had the turnovers. And then he went to Book, and, 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 and then Book. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but even Book started the game with like four assists, and then I think he went two quarters where he had one total yeah. in the second and third quarter. The ball, and that was something that Monty talked about after the game too. The ball got real sticky, right? Like, the, the, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but the number that really, really stands out for the Suns from that game was only 20 assists. That number is way, way below their standards in terms of what they need to be doing and what their offense is all about, and some. Some of that is on Chris. Look, I don't mind Durant initiating the offense. I don't mind Devin Booker initiating the offense. If Chris Paul's going to play the role of the off guard, that's fine. If he's not going to have the assist or if he's not going to be initiating the offense, it means he's got to do the thing that he's there to do, and that's take the threes and make the threes, right? He took five of them. And he missed, and, and he, he missed made, four. He missed four, right? He, he missed made four one. out of five. He made one three. He had 11 points and five assists. You're paying this guy $30 million to sit in the corner because you don't trust him carrying the ball up the court. Like you don't trust him anymore carrying the ball up the court because the saw and, and the pace, the, there's no pace when he carries the ball up the court. He's going to be 38 years old in a couple of days, right? He's going to be 38 years old. He's slow, he plays slow. 
And man, for thirty million dollars, but you could find a lot better of a player to sit in the corner and knock down open threes. Yes, than Chris Paul. Yes, but because of Kevin Durant, this is look. We saw, we saw last year. During the playoffs, when you're asking Chris to be more of that guy, he wasn't up for it anymore. He wasn't spurts. He wasn't game six against the Pelicans. He wasn't the first two games against the Dallas Mavericks. He was okay with being that guy. But every single game, the Suns needing for him to be that reliable other guy. It's the whole reason why they went on got Kevin Durant. They knew Chris Paul couldn't be that guy anymore. He's just not that guy. So what he needs to be now is that three-point shooter, that off-the-ball guy that takes threes, that makes threes. And, and look, I wouldn't be surprised at all based off of how Chris's playoffs have gone. Hell, how Chris's season has gone. I wouldn't be surprised if Chris has a really good game tonight because he seems to be like every and other game. I'm going to come in tomorrow and say it's time to put him on the bench. Come off the bench. Oh, that'll never happen. Okay, what are, you, what are you asking him to do? What are you asking Chris Paul to do? I'm asking him to take threes, make threes, and generally move the ball around, make sure the offense flows the way it's supposed to. I mean, if I got Booker and Durant to move the ball around, do I need Chris to do that? Okay, I'm just telling you, this is what you're asking is never going to happen. I'd rather put Terrence Ross in the corner to shoot threes if that's all he's going to be asked to do. Okay, it'll never happen. Never. You're going to bench. Russell Westbrook went to the bench. Uh, it's, it's, you're, you're dreaming, my friend. If you are you're asking dreaming. him, I probably am. You're dreaming. But if you're asking him to sit in the corner and take three pointers, that's not all I'm asking him to do. He but, had five assists. But that is going to be, we've talked about this so many times. That is much more his role now is to play off the ball a little bit because on the ball, he is slow. And on the, his, his complaining about the pace, yeah, that's partly Chris. Yeah, we are. I think the biggest thing we gotta play faster. That's what I mean. You know what I mean? Especially early in the game. Um, we just gotta pick up the pace. But look, if it's the the three point shooting. All right, let, let, let's talk about that for a minute, all right? Okay. Because Phoenix Suns, I mean, they got killed from the three-point line. And they, they always get, will. They, they're not built that way. They're, they're not. But they at least have to give themselves a chance to get more open looks. And why campaign was such a non-factor in that game, I have no idea. Because campaign, one, he'll play with pace. Two, he'll get the ball up and down the floor a little bit faster than Chris Paul. And number three, most importantly. He's not afraid to shoot. He's Well, A, he's not afraid to shoot, but he's also not afraid to drive and kick. And if he's going to drive the rim like he loves to, and that creates right. open threes for guys who can shoot the three, guys like Durant. Booker Booker took one three-point shot that whole, whole game. game. He was driving. He was driving. He was driving. But if you're talking about the Suns need to generate more threes, who do you want yeah. taking those threes? I want Devin Booker taking some of those threes. Booker and, and Durant. I, I want Durant taking some of those threes. And Chris Paul kind of meandering around the top of the key with the ball, waiting 10 seconds to start initiating the offense. In some ways, I'd rather have a guy who's going to get to the rim and get that kickout game going. So you've got some open guys standing out there to at least try more three You want to lose your mind? Listen to this. Jamal Murray made six three-pointers. Aaron Gordon made three three-pointers. KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, made three three-pointers. Not one Suns player made more than one three-pointer in this game. Think about that. Seven different players hit a three. Nobody hit two. 
We always knew this. The Suns, they, they, they don't live by the three, but they die by the three. I they like don't that. live by it, I but like they that die phrase. by it. I saw that phrase in your email, and I loved it. Yeah. I, I thought that summed Original it up. Thought. They don't live by it, but they can't they die, die by, by it. it. They died mm-hmm. by it yep. on, on Saturday exactly. night. They just, the Nuggets got way too many off, and the Suns were just way too behind on that number. They took five in the whole first half. Five! 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 So Denver made 16. The Suns haven't made 16 in any playoff game yet this year. I, I went back and I looked at all the games. They made 6, 10, 10, 9, 13 is their high. You know, so like, they, and then 7. But they've had three games in the playoffs with under 10 three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Like, how are they going to win games if the other team's a good three-point shooting team? Uh, the stat from Kellen Olsen, uh, hopefully it's not too numbers heavy here because it really paints the story. The Phoenix Suns, in four games, how many games have the Suns played this playoff? Six, right? Five Six, against five the Clippers and one, one here? Right. All right. In four games these playoffs, the Suns have taken less than 25 threes. All of the other playoff teams combined have done that. Three times. I get it. You're right. They're not built that way. Nope. But you can't die that way. You can't die that way. Yep. You can't. You, you're you're gonna. I get it. You're mid range mafia. You're the maestro of the mid range. Whatever it is you want to call. Whatever K Ray's calling it these days. All right. That's all good. But the modern NBA game is predicated on taking more than five in the first half. Yeah. It's just. It just is. You've got to take more. You've got to create. Well, back to your math. More than that. The math doesn't compute. The Suns scored seventy two points on 59% shooting on two-pointers. 72 points on two-pointers. That's eight more than the Nuggets had, but the Nuggets blew them away with 21 more points from three-point range. All right, score the hottest ticket in town. They are Suns playoff tickets. You can text the word ticket to 62620. Get registered. Listen for your name this Wednesday during the 7 a.m., noon, and 5 p.m. hour for your chance to qualify for tickets to see the Suns take on the Denver Nuggets in Game 3. Again, text the word ticket to 62620. Well, since we're airing out all the grievances from Saturday night. Young and old, diehard and casual. Everybody is wondering why Landry Shamit is still getting the minutes that he's getting for the Phoenix Suns. We'll try to explain. Not really. Next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Nuggets. Now. Landry Shaman. Go. Just <laughs> <Let's> go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's like one of those wind-up toys, right? Like I I've, just been, I've been winding up Gambo yeah. for an hour and 15 minutes, right? Yeah, and I, I found Gambo. I'm going to take the lose my voice. Take the wind-up toy, and I'm just going to sit it on the ground. Okay, Gambo. Landry Shamit, uh, go. I wrote in my email, Landry Shamit and Monty Williams, a love story. <laughs> that was my email. I, Landry Shamit and I Monty Williams, a, a love story. I chuckle out of that. I did kind of get a chuckle out of that. It's, yeah, because you just there's no rhyme or reason for why he's playing. I mean, you can, we want him more size. He can't guard anybody. Jamal Murray was roasting him throughout this game. Jamal, somebody tweeted, I think it was Kellen who tweeted, man, Jamal Murray is looking at Landry Shamit like like Seriously? Like, really? Okay, yeah. This is who you throw it at me? I'll, I'll go to eat on this guy. Yeah, you bet. Let's go. Bring me Landry Shaman. I'll go to town on this guy, right? Yeah, it's, it, it's. I mean, listen, 14 minutes, he did nothing. He knocked down a three. He was a minus 15. And I've always said this. He puts the other team on the power play. He had one assist, one turnover. I mean, his minus led all the bench players. Nobody had a worse minus than he did. I mean, listen, Phoenix has a bench problem. 
They have a bench problem. Their bench is terrible. Their depth is terrible. Um, Barkley commented on it. Got it right here if you want. Yeah, play it. Here's yeah, Barkley yeah. on I'm the. Trying to be fair. They just can't score enough. I don't see anybody. I mean, Katie and Booker are going to have to go crazy. But I'm looking at the bench. I don't see where they're going to get 20 points from one guy on a given night. Like, oh, they don't have it. They don't have it. Kenny doubled down on that. Here's here's more of that conversation from the NBA on TNT. Shamit, Craig, Biombo, Lee, Baisley, Lindell, Payne, Ross, TJ Warren, who doesn't play because of injuries pretty much, and Wainwright. Those, there's no one in that realm can get 20 points. And so when you look at the, the Denver Nuggets, you're going to have five to six guys that can get 20. Or definitely going to get double figures. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. Listen, we knew this coming in. This was what you to sacrifice. You you sacrificed three really good players. Yes. Now you could say Jay Crowder wasn't playing, but you should have got somebody for him at some point that was that was a similar player. But if you take Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Jay Crowder, you're talking about three of the top six players on the Phoenix Suns. Three for one. Now the one player is better than any one of those guys combined. But the biggest question, and this is why, listen, and, I'm, and this is, I've said this before, and I may be wrong. The Suns may win this series and everything's fine. They win the championship. I would not have made the trade. I thought they gave up too much. Mm-hmm. I would not have made it. They, maybe if they would have been able to hold on to one. If you had just Cam Johnson, take Mikhail, take Jay, take all our draft picks. We're keeping Cam Johnson. Then you've got a guy that can get 20 off the bench. But their bench is made up of a lot of veteran minimum guys. Yep. I mean, you're talking about Terrence Ross buyout guy, TJ Warren throwing in a trade. These guys are minimum guys. I mean, outside of Shamit, the one guy you paid, but he can't play. Can't play in this environment, in this situation. He's not made for it. So I, you know, I think that it's a problem that's very heavily reliant on KD and Book, and that's why they need Paul and DA to play well, sure. because they don't have anything sure. else. Sure, and that was, uh, honestly, that was one of the keys going into the game, all right, it, it, is that Booker Booker and KD were not perfect, but from an offensive standpoint, they were they were good, all right? Now, we'll get into this a little later. They were good, good not, not great. great. Yeah, but they were, they were good enough. What you needed was Aiton or Paul, somebody had to be the third. Somebody's always going to have to be the third. It, it, it's not enough for KD and Book. It's never going to be enough for just Katie. That's and why Buck. I said they can't win without Paul. You're, you're, well, I mean, but even if uh, for an off night for Paul, then it's got to be a strong eight night. I mean, someone's got to fill that void because they can't just go with two and think that's going to be good enough. There's got to be a third. Who's going to be the third? And Barkley's not wrong, and Kenny's not wrong. They don't have anybody on the bench who's wired to be a third or wired to be a twenty point per game performer. I guess what frustrates me is the insistence on sticking with Shamit. Come hell or high water, the love affair that you call like he's the first sub off the bench and he's got size, but you can his body language is so poor. He's got no confidence. Jamal Murray looks at him and just says, I'm going to feast. And there's never an effort. And there hasn't been really this postseason. Let's try somebody else. Like campaign's healthy now. Let's give him a shot. See what he can do. Terrence Ross. Yeah, his defense sucks. I can fill it. Let's see if he can play a little bit. Give us some productive minutes where he's shooting and maybe gives us another threat out there offensively on the floor. Instead, it's 
it's just sticking with Landry, sticking with, and you can just see the confidence he has in him and they have in him. It doesn't exist. It's not there. And so it's, you just wonder how much longer Monty is going to continue to spin his wheels in this mud, hoping he's going to get some sort of traction with Landry Shamick. Cause it's, he is, he's unplay, he's as unplayable as campaign was a year ago. He's as unplayable as Dario Saric was two years ago. He just gets to a point where this is a really bad matchup. It's not going to work out. And yeah. I don't know why you keep going to it. And, and, and that's where you, you know, I had said to you before the playoffs started, I think the most pressure on anybody's on Monty Williams. You can talk all you want about Chris Paul, never Monty Williams. You had a two nothing lead against Milwaukee, you blew it. You had a two nothing lead against Dallas, you blew it. He's not getting fired if this team gets knocked out by the Denver Nuggets, the number one seed. But his job's going to be on the line next year, and people are going to question whether he has the ability to make the right adjustments. And how does Monty not see what everybody else is seeing? Landry Shamit doesn't provide anything for you. Doesn't provide anything. Everybody knows it. I mean, you don't have to be some basketball genius to figure that out. Everybody watching the games is like, why is that guy playing? He doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Try somebody else. Try somebody else. See, give somebody else an opportunity. Maybe they'll take advantage of it. That's And that's the part that's frustrating me. And, and is that they haven't tried somebody else. They haven't given somebody else a shot. Remember, I was texting with a buddy of mine who covers the NBA. And, and you remember a couple of years ago, we had Brock Hewitt on the show. And I know I'm, I'm crossing sports references here, but we had Brock Hewitt on the show when we were talking about Josh Rosen and we were talking about moving off of Josh, Josh Rosen and drafting Kyler Murray. You remember the phrase that Brock Hewitt used with us that day? No. Fail fast. Fail fast. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, if, yeah. if you're going to yeah. move if, on, if, if you're, you're going to fail, right fail fast. The Suns have not failed fast with Landry Shamit. All right. It was, you can say it was a mistake to acquire him. You can certainly argue it was a mistake to pay him without seeing him play a minute in your uniform that offseason when they got him. But this continual sticking with him again and again and again, over and over again in these crucial moments, they're not failing fast with Landry Shamit. They're failing really slow and they keep giving him these opportunities. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. So I should look into some of the best romance movies going. I mean, Landry and, and Monty. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, like I said, it's like a love story. Like, I don't get it. Like, nobody gets it. But if we don't see a change tonight, if they go back, Landry Shaman was the first sub off the bench for the Phoenix Suns in that game. Yeah. I mean, today, I, I'm going to I'm gonna predict he doesn't even play today. I'm going to predict he doesn't play. Um, I mean, I can't imagine I that, Monty. I wouldn't bet you on that, but I would certainly agree he's not going to be the first sub off the bench. I just, okay. I, 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 I would... Put me down for campaign being the first sub off the bench type. Yeah, give him a shot. Or Troy Craig. I mean, well, and that's the other thing, too. Does Monty change his starting lineup tonight? Does Troy Craig start instead of Josh Kogi? Because Kogi was terrible. not doing anything he with was Jamal Murray. No. He wasn't working on that at all. You might want the size. You might want the size and a little bit more of a threat with the shooting. And, like re- if, and a better rebounder. Like, if you're going to play off of Josh Kogi or you're going to play off of Torrey Craig, Torrey Craig's more likely to beat you if you're playing off of him than you are Josh Kogi. So, first of all, it, it, is there a starting lineup change tonight? That's question number one. Because I think that kind of dictates who the first sub is off the bench. If it's still a Kogi, I think Craig will be the first sub. But the First backcourt sub, it's got to be campaign at this point. It's got to be because, like, you know, do you say- give Ross or TJ Warren even a sniff? I'd give Ross a sniff. I'd give Ross a shoot. Sniff. You shoot. So I say with it's Chris, got decent like it, size, if, you can't defend worth a lick. If but. you're worried about Chris bringing the ball up because of the size Denver has, and you're just going to stick him in the corner to shoot threes, and I'm just just this one aspect. Isn't Ross a better option to sit in the corner and shoot a three than Chris Paul? Um. But that's the only thing he can do. 
Chris can, I mean. But if he's not carrying the ball. No, but he still, he still defends at a decent level. Terrence Ross couldn't guard you at the rec center. Yeah, I'd probably go for 20 on him. <laughs> <laughs> probably would. Campaign, at least with the drives and the kickouts and the pace that we're talking about, right? Speeding things up a little bit. You got to see campaign tonight. Got to see more campaign tonight. And if Landry Shamit's the first backcourt player in off the bench tonight, I think I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> I swear, I think I'm going to lose. And I get You're it, too. You're the only one. Like, like Monty's been one. rewarded for sticking with these guys. He actually got rewarded for sticking with Dario two years ago. He ended up playing okay. He got rewarded for sticking with campaign last year. He ended up playing Landry's okay. going to hit four three-pointers tonight. No, I'm just, just this is Monty. This is this is when it, he's like at this one player. Stubborn. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Really, he might really. Be, he might be Italian to be Texas, that stubborn. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. On a larger scale, as a team, there were a couple of windows for the Suns to get back into that game one. They missed them. Are they going to make them tonight? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Nuggets now. Our game two is tonight, 7 o'clock, live from Ball Arena in downtown Denver. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Um, we saw the Suns really for the first time in the Kevin Durant era, if that's what you want to call it, get challenged by a team that was at their absolute peak. Like, we hadn't seen it up until this point, right? No, we haven't. We really, uh, not at all. We've seen teams, we've seen the Denver Nuggets two times in the regular season, but they sat most of their guys. Really, the toughest team the Suns had played, at least in the regular season, was Minnesota, right? That was probably the toughest test they had with Kevin Durant. I thought the Dallas test was pretty good. They had Kyrie and Luka. Okay. But they didn't even make the playoffs, that team. Yeah, they didn't even make the playoffs. At least Minnesota did. And then you go to the first round. Okay, game one against Kawhi, but even then they still don't have Paul George. Nothing quite prepared them for the avalanche that was you know game one on Saturday night. No. A fully rested, fully healthy, elite NBA team firing on all cylinders. And we all wanted to see how they were going to do. We all wanted to see how they were going to pass that test. They failed. They failed miserably. All that said, I'd be very surprised if the Suns don't play much, much better tonight. I don't know if they're going to win. I'd be surprised if they don't play much better tonight. Can't get down by 17 at the half, right? I mean, they got to shore some things up. I mean, you know, we talked about the math of the, the three-pointers, the offensive rebounds, the big differences that really swung uh, Denver's way. And look, I mean, I, Denver Denver's going to be sky high right now. They hadn't played this, the Suns in, in meaningful basketball games. Now, they did play on Christmas Day, right? And Denver, yes. and Denver won? Denver won. I remember we had a Denver guest on. I can't remember which one. That said that, that was a, like that was big for Denver. That was big for Denver to go beat Phoenix. Now, the teams are different. Obviously, KD didn't play on Christmas Day. He wasn't on a team yet. He was still in Brooklyn. Got hurt like four minutes in. Into the game. Yeah. And then, so that was like a big win. But, like, Denver needed to prove to themselves that they could beat the Phoenix Suns. They yeah. had something to prove. They went out there. They did it. Now, you know, Denver's got all the confidence, and the Suns probably doubting themselves just a little bit right now. Now, looking back on game one, there were, and I don't know if this is, I don't look at this as a moment of optimism for them playing better or them being better. I, I think they'll just be better tonight. There were a couple of windows where the Suns had a chance 
And you, you kept watching that game. And I, I had, there were three windows for me where I thought, okay, they've got yeah. a chance to get back into this. See, thing. we look at the game very differently. To me, I don't think the Suns ever made a run to get back into the game. Well, no, no, no. They, they didn't but make you, a run. I'm right. just saying they were on the doorstep of a run and they couldn't quite get in the door. You know what I mean? Because they did cut it to 10 twice. Yes, they did. And there was a window number, there was a window in the third quarter. Okay. Suns were down 12. But then a bad Chris Paul jumper on a bad possession, and the Booker block that led to the Craig missed layup. But the Nuggets got the offensive rebound, led to a Jokic three, then Aiton missed a shot, then they were down 15. There was a chance where they could have cut it to eight, they could have cut it to in a single digits. And, and they had a cut, they had a one later at the start of the fourth quarter. Now, this one I had forgotten about. But the start of the fourth quarter, the Suns actually hit their first five shots to start the fourth quarter, but the Nuggets also hit all of their shots in response to yeah. that. So the Suns weren't able. Like and I'm not not that they ever got back in the game, but they got right on the doorstep of getting back into the game, and they just couldn't get quite through that door. Yeah, I thought okay, so Lee hits a three pointer, it's a ten point game, but then Gordon scores on a drive, then Landell has a hook shot, it's a ten point game. So twice they were able to get it to ten points, but then Gordon scores on a drive, back up to twelve, and then I thought the wow play of the game. I don't know if we have this highlight, but when Murray went between Paul and KD, it was off of a Lee miss. Damian Lee took a shot. Murray, it ended up to, on with Murray, and he kind of and you never see this happen because KD's so long. You think he was just going to block the shot. Murray somehow goes between Paul and KD, puts it up and in. I mean, that was a fourteen point lead. I do not have that. That play. was a big play. And then, you know, Booker scores on a drive. It's 11, but then Jokic comes back. Seven minutes and 40 seconds, Jokic comes back. Once Jokic comes back, Murray hits a three. Murray hits a three. Ball game. Back up to a 17-point lead. Yeah, there, there, was, there was a stretch in the second quarter, about four minutes to go in the second quarter. The Suns were down six. All right. Like for, for all the math that had gone wonky on them, Suns were down six with about four minutes to go in the first half. KCP three, Suns down nine. Uh, Bismack Miyambo turnover, KCP three, Suns mm-hmm. down 12. Gordon three, down 13. I, I mean, and just yep. like that, 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 that little, for bang, as ba- bang, bang. For as bad as the math was and for as wonky as the numbers were, it was a six point game with about four minutes Remind to go in the, the second half. Bunch of the final game against the Clippers when they hit four three pointers in a row. A right? little bit, right? Like bang, 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 bang. bang, bang. Three in a row, done. you're right. Yeah. Three in a row right there, and, and, and that kind of just blew it and, open. And that, that little, that little pocket right there, just when you thought the Suns because you're watching the game thinking, man, there's so much that's gone wrong, and this is a four-point game or a six-point game at this point. If the Suns can just get to the half with a six-point game, they can correct some of the flaws and get back in it. But those rapid-fire, bang, bang, bang kind of things happen, and the Suns had no chance. I thought, and this is why I thought Monty pulled those guys, you know, over five minutes left. Murray hits the two three-pointers, and it's and it's getting ugly. It's 17. Jokic scores from Murray, um, and it's 19. And then they just got lazy, right? They even stopped playing for a little bit, and you can't say they didn't. Book misses a three. Brown and Jokic come down the right side. Nobody picks up either guy. Yeah. Jokic just has it, hands it to Brown. He dunks it. Next possession, Brown Brown, uh, Brown steals it from uh, steals it from KD. Goes in for a dunk, and it's a twenty three point lead. They just got careless. They got sloppy. They were like, "We're not going to win," and they kind of sulked a little bit. And then Monty just said, "Okay, five minutes and six seconds left." Throws the puts the white flag up and brings everybody else. Yeah, in. and at that point, I actually took a screenshot of the box score at that. 
that point because I knew it was garbage time for both teams. The, the, Michael Malone kept his starters in a little bit longer after that. Not really he sure pulled him why. Out, he pulled him out at 3.13. Yeah, so he kept him in two whole more minutes. I, I'm not really sure what the point was of that, you know, but he leaves him out there. But at that point, I took a screenshot of the game, and it was, man, the math was just, all the numbers were so screwy. I, the rebound numbers, the, and I'm not saying it was a fluke. I, I'm not implying that at all. It was not a fluke. It was it was wonky in that you can't expect to win a basketball game when they have that many rebounds, when they have that many extra shots, when you have that many turnovers. I mean, that's something else we haven't even talked about, barely. Suns had 16 turnovers in yeah, that game. Yeah, almost half of them by KD. And half of them were by Kevin Durant. But think about the Clippers series, and you pointed that this out in your email. The, the Suns against the Clippers, 9, 10, Seven, not in that many. one game, not not sixteen, right? Let me go to my note on not, that. Not the order. level of sloppiness that we saw, and, and again, all of these things are correctable. You just got to believe the Suns are going to correct them going into tonight because if they do, I think they can play. I don't know if they can win, but they can play a close game at least. Yeah, no, I think that 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 has to be something that that they work on quite a bit is the turnovers. 10, because- 11, 13, 13, and seven right. were the numbers against the Clippers. Ten, eleven. 13, 13, and 7. Know, my email was long. I can't find what I, where I put that in. Might have been in the beginning. But, yeah, that's a big factor. I mean, it, uh, to turn the ball off. Now, with Durant, I just thought that Denver had a game. I had never seen this. Because, um, like, with Durant, it was almost like, we're going to pick your pocket. We're going to pick your pocket. You're going to put the ball on the floor, but we're going to pick your, you know, your 6, 10 and a half. We're going to put the, we're going to come steal the ball from you. Yeah. Plus, he was slipping all over the place, too. That was a weird thing, too. Kevin Durant lost his footing. Like, did Tory Craig fall too? Yeah, Tory Craig. There was a lot of slipping and sliding going on by the Sun. I don't know what that has anything to do with the price of tea in China, to borrow a Gambo <laughs> phrase. Uh, but I noticed Kevin Durant was on the deck a lot in that game. Just kind of not hurt, just kind of slipping around. I or, like that warm tea. Anytime I go to a Chinese restaurant, I always get that hot tea. <laughs> That hot green tea. But what does it have to do with the price of tea I in China? I don't know. I don't know. What, what, did, what, what did that have to do America, with the price of tea in China? Yeah. Unless they got it from China. I don't know. But I always get that warm, hot tea. More often than not, a football team's depth comes from players picked in the later rounds of the draft. The Cardinals certainly tried to address those positions this year. We'll talk about the draft and the Cardinals next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Busy Monday here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Thanks for hanging out with us. Busy because we've got game one of the Sons of the Nuggets to react to from Saturday. Game two tonight to preview. And then, of course, the conclusion of the 2023 NFL Draft, which the Arizona Cardinals were busy. Very, very, very busy. And today they signed 10 players, undrafted free agents that were not drafted, that they signed today. We'll get through some of those in the 4 o'clock reset as well. But with the conclusion of the draft, the great which you kind of roll your eyes with the grades a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, who knows? Who, who knows how good these players are going to be? What you and I both liked was not so much the who, but the what when it comes to how they drafted this weekend. And by the what, I mean the positions they drafted. It yeah, was very clear that they were going for positional value, right? And taking some of the meat and potatoes of an NFL roster in this week's this weekend's draft. Yeah, I thought that was key. And then, you know, if you look, they didn't take any flyers on, like, you know, small school guys. I mean, everything was a was a powerhouse pro, like Ohio State, LSU, um, Syracuse, Stanford. 
Stanford in the Stanford, UCLA in the in the Pac-12, Houston, Auburn in the SEC, Louisville, West Virginia. I didn't take any of those chances. Steve Steve Kahn would always kind of take that, you know, the John sure. Brown shit. Take some shots at guys at smaller schools, try to find that diamond in the rough. They didn't they didn't go there. They stayed with big time programs. And he hit on a couple of those. He did. David Johnson from Northern Iowa. Yes. Well, you know, it didn't work out well for a second contract. That, that one great year. But that man. hit. Yeah. You know, that hit. John Brown hit. I'd have to go look and look at the others, but there were I think there were a couple of others that he did all right in those rounds. Yeah, they avoided that. They stayed with we 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 noticed this with the first two picks when they went Ohio State LSU. Uh with BJ BJ Ojolari and then Paris Johnson in the first round. Okay, Ohio State LSU, I see you, I see what you're doing. But he pretty much stayed on course, you know, with you know players that come from, you know, bigger time programs. So, yeah. um, listen, we didn't talk about the quarterback. We, we talked about our favorite I was bring picks. that up, yeah. We both like that Jonathan, you know, John Gaines the second, the, the offensive lineman from UCLA. We liked him. This quarterback, you know, it, I, I've always said with Kyler Murray, and I could be end up being wrong if Kyler doesn't, you know, work pan out. But I, I thought when they drafted Kyler and he was rookie of the year, like, okay, you're not going to have to draft a quarterback in the first few rounds, you know, for the entire decade of the 2000s. Now, where they got him was uh, the fifth round, so that's you know that's a developmental type guy. But this guy's got all the confidence in the world. He said, "I'm the best quarterback in this class." And somebody asked him why he believes that. He said, "Look at my body of work. I elevate everyone around me." Said he's a natural leader with a no flinch mentality <laughs> mentality so this kid's got a lot of confidence a lot of confidence and even the the s2 cog, uh, cognitive test there you go he was really high on that he was 84 percent. he was he was he was very high on that look take it for what it's worth mel kuyper jr in his i think he gave the cardinals an a minus for the work over the weekend one of the things he wrote about he called clayton tune the quarterback here in, in in question he called him his favorite day three quarterback he said it was my favorite quarterback available going into day three. Now, if if everything works out the way it's supposed to, Clayton Toon will be nothing more than a really good backup for Kyler Murray. I mean, that's, that's great. But which is great. If, great. If, and I'm not, I'm not, no, that sounded derogatory. I didn't mean it like that at all. It's like no one's no one's thinking Clayton Toon is your quarterback of the future because you shouldn't have to need a quarterback of the future. Kyler Murray better be your Kyler your quarterback of the future. And if he's not, something went horribly horribly wrong, which could be addressed next year, I suppose, in the draft if you wanted to, depending on how this year goes. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But it is intriguing to just see how, the confidence that he's got at himself. You know, in, like I you pointed five out. years in college. I'm, I'm you know, I, I feel like I'm the best quarterback in this draft. That's bull talk for a guy who just got taken with the 168th pick overall. Yeah. What was it? No, 139th. The 139th pick overall. I don't know how many quarterbacks went ahead of him, but he did go in the fifth round. Now, he had 4,074 passing yards with 40 touchdowns uh, last year. They went 8-5. and five. They won the Independence Bowl. Um, again, he's very confident in himself and his ability uh, to play. Now he's got, you got Colt McCoy, you got the, the Purdue kid, David Blau, you got Kyla Murray. I think he could get the third string job if he comes out there and plays well. And sometimes, you know how this works sometimes too. If he develops okay and you get him in some games and, and he plays well, you those guys become commodities on the trade market. Oh, sure. You can trade. You know, we've seen plenty of teams trade for backup quarterbacks because they thought that they would be pretty good. But he's also... Look, if he ends up being a really good backup for Kyle, and and by the way, one of the big things about about him too that I was more interested in maybe than anything else, stylistically, he's not 
so different from Kyler that you'd have to change everything to accommodate him. I thought that was very important. You know, like he 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 can run for he first can run. Downs. He can run for first downs. I think he ran for like five hundred and forty four yards uh, last year in his in his senior season. He I mean, no one ever, ever going to say he's as mobile as Kyler Murray, but because he's mobile enough, you don't have to have like two separate playbooks, right? You don't have to have plays that right. he can't run, which I think is very very important if you're going to be Kyler Murray's backup because you want some level of continuity. No, what I was going to say was, man, the price of a good backup quarterback in this league, like a, like one you can trust, it's expensive. It's getting more it's, and more it's, expensive. It's it not used cheap. To be, listen, the Cardinals, the Cardinals once paid um, just a couple of years ago. What was the UCLA kid's name that was here? It was they paid him less than a million. The UCLA kid. It was the UCLA kid. What was his name? The backup quarterback in two years ago. Um, Oh, um, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember. Eric, you remember? Huntley. Tyler Huntley. Thank you. Huntley. Yeah, Huntley. Um, They're paying him like less than a million dollars. You know, and you go on the cheap. You try to get a guy like that on the cheap. Got a little bit of experience, but they paid him less than a million bucks. You know, a good quarterback like Colt McCoy as a backup is going to be three or four million. Now, if you want a really good backup quarterback, you're talking five, six, seven million dollars a year for good backup quarterback. So if you can develop a guy that, that you draft and you like and look, all his numbers were great in college. He's confident and you want to get your own guy in the system, too. Like you've got all these. Bring me your own guy and a guy that fits your style. Maybe he'll end up maybe you'll end up being a guy. That could that could be a backup and end up playing some games. I mean, it's worth a shot at that spot in the fifth round. I know he's not a late round pick. Um, he's not a day three pick. I'm really intrigued by Garrett Williams, the cornerback out of Syracuse. Really intrigued by him because I think if not for the ACL, yeah, he'd be much much higher than that the was, 72nd overall pick. Same with Marco Wilson. It was the injuries that yeah. kind of hurt Marco Wilson coming out of Florida, and now you look at Garrett, you know Garrett Williams. And you say, okay, all right. I mean, a kid, you know, they they look. You, you hear a lot about the the zone coverage. I mean, everything's about zone coverage, and you know that's the thing about Williams. They like is that you know he he could play really well. He's only played 14 games the past three. Years years. So this is a flyer. Yeah. This is 14 games in three years. And so we'll see. I mean, it's it's a it's a guy that they like athletically, and if he's healthy, maybe he ends up being something good. They took a chance in that round. We'll see if it pays off. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, meanwhile, no word yet on Isaiah Simmons. This was Monty Austin Ford over the weekend. Yeah, we have a few more days on that, Darren, and we'll, uh, you know, we got to work through that. We're going to catch our breath here a little bit, um, and then we'll we'll have a decision on that next week. But, yeah, they, yeah we'll, we'll get to that. They've made their mind up. I mean, they've, I mean, they know. Of course. <laughs> they're not sitting there today. Should we, should we do it or not? My gut feeling is that they're not going to do it. That's they're my not, gut they're not too. going to pick that up. Because you're right. They know what they're going to do. Um, it's just, so then you have to ask yourself, why are they putting off saying what they're going to do? And I would imagine if they were going to pick it up, they probably would 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 celebrate that, trump that, for lack of a better way of saying it. Yeah. The, the fact that they're not. They, look, and you know how I feel about this. It, I feel like if you're that you can you can always undo it if you say no. Like if you don't pick up the fifth year option, that doesn't mean that he's never going to be a cardinal ever again. It just means you're going to have to pay a little bit extra for the right to keep him a year from now, either by giving him a little bit more with his next contract or by franchise tagging him if you want to. By saying yes to the fifth year option, you're stuck with him for two more years. It always made more sense to me to say no, unless you knew for sure he was going to be great. 
It always made more sense for me to say no to Isaiah Simmons' fifth year because you can reverse that a year from now. A year from now, if you say yes to the fifth-year option, you can't back out of that. You can't reverse that. You're locked in. So for me, it always made more sense to say no and just wait a year and see. They did draft a linebacker out of Auburn, too. Who flies? Yeah. Who flies? 4.3940 at the combine. Second highest athleticism score among linebackers in the draft. Um, but it's actually who he's tied with for the second fastest time by a linebacker since 2003. Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons. Simmons. <laughs> of course. Who could fly to? Who could fly to? When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, big injury update with another NBA game tonight, plus all the top sports stories of the day. It's all in one spot. It's all coming up with the 4 o'clock reset. Now, Next on the Burns and Gambo Show.